Hey there, Gray Beardians. Welcome back, and thanks again for listening to another episode of the podcast designed to help cybersecurity students and early professionals learn, grow, and advance. This episode is season three, episode two, and it's entitled What to Focus on at Work and Where to Steer Your Cybersecurity Career. I'm looking forward to hearing from folks out there with questions, comments, and recommendations for future episodes. After speaking at the Virginia Cybersecurity Education Conference a few days ago that I mentioned in my first podcast, one individual did reach out and suggested that I put out another episode on offensive tools. That is one of the most popular ones that I've done. He was mentioning OSCP and suggesting that I come up with other tools and help people see what else is out there beyond what I had talked about last season. What do you think of that? Is that a good idea? Is that something that would be interesting? Obviously, there's a finite number of topics that I can put out if I'm going to do 10 to 15 a season, and I want to make it a value to you. Please make sure to shoot me a note, cybergraybeard at gmail.com, and let me know what you're thinking about. I'm also curious to hear if you would like to have me do some interviews. I did meet with another mentee at my company, and I had basically the conversation I'm going to have with you folks in a unilateral talk, he and I had a back and forth. He did grant permission to publish that. I am interested in doing it if folks do want to hear it. It's really a real world one-on-one unscripted between me and an individual. His name is Zach and he is an early professional at my company. So if you're interested in hearing that, let me know. A lot of this is just my idea about what you want. However, I want to make sure that I'm giving you, my audience, what you want to hear. Don't be shy. Reach out. Shoot me a note. Cybergraybeard at gmail.com. The episode today that I'm going to go over is, I provided a mention of this last week in the primer, and I promised to talk about early professional in my company. Like I just mentioned, I had a follow-on with Zach. Previously, I talked to another gentleman. I wanted to go ahead and share that with you folks. One of the individuals just straight up wanted to know what to study, what to learn, and how to steer his career in the right direction from the outset. It's an extremely mature thought, a great idea, where he's not going to just sit there on his own and try and figure it out. He's going, hey, Graybeard, you have 30 years experience. What do you recommend I do? We were going to meet for 30 minutes. It turned into an hour. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about that conversation with everybody here. I think it's pertinent to the majority of the listeners. Some of the topics may not be relevant to you, but understand there's pretty much a wide swath out there, thankfully, where different people want to do different things. I do expect this talk to be a bit longer than usual, but I believe it's critical and valuable information. So hopefully you'll stick with me. I talked with Zach for 30 minutes, this other gentleman for an hour, and I'm probably going to go close to 30 minutes on this conversation. I want to get into some detail on key areas, and hopefully it will add value to you. If you want further information or have questions, again, just shoot me a note. Like I've said, I've met with listeners before one-on-one in uh, discussions to help, and I'm willing to do that for you. Again, there's nothing in this for me. I don't make money. I don't ask for donations. I do this simply as a give back to pay it forward. I want to help you, and in your future, you pay it back by giving it to the next generation or to individuals that you work with. Again, go ahead and reach out if you would like to hear more information or have my comments and thoughts directed specifically to you. What I'm going to go ahead and talk about now is different areas of cybersecurity and what you can focus on, what you can look at. I'm fortunate right now, the company that I work at is a global corporation, hundreds of thousands of employees, been around for over 100 years. I have also worked in smaller firms that have you know, roughly 500 employees, about 120 to $150 million in revenue. The company I work for now is a multi-billion dollar 
Goliath, and it is just huge, and it's great for me and the other cybersecurity professionals because we have so many opportunities, and it allows me to learn and see what's out there and share with you folks. A lot of the things I talk about here may not be relevant because your company may not have this depth, and that's okay. I'm going very broad here. And I'm going to go pretty deep in some areas, and that'll give you an idea of what to look for in your organization. And then you can go ahead and take a parallel between what we have versus what you have. How can an early professional decide which path to take? What can or should students focus on to get the best launch possible when they start their cybersecurity job? When I was talking with the gentleman, my first question was, do you want to go down a strategic path, a technical path, or an other path? And this was actually a question that was asked of me when I interviewed for the current position or the company that I'm working at. They said, listen, Greybeard, you're technical and you're business oriented. Do you want to be a strategic employee or a tactical employee? When we talk about a strategic employee, we're talking about consultants or business folks that spend a lot of time on PowerPoint presentations, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, doing analysis and evaluation. Strategic is very business oriented. It deals with C-level, chief executive officers, chief information officers, chief information security officers, the executives that are making the decisions for a company, strategic consultants and strategic cybersecurity folks are dealing with those folks more on a day-to-day. -day. The strategic individuals perform assessments. They score companies. They go in and see what they're doing, compare it to what best practices, whether it's MITRE ATT&CK, the NIST cybersecurity framework, or other methodologies. Is the company that you're evaluating in line, ahead, behind? We do assessments and we score. We talk about the maturity of an organization. Where do you sit in a number of areas? With the NIST cybersecurity framework, you have identify, detect, protect, respond, and recover. And in each of those areas, there are subsets of technologies, of processes, and the strategic individuals are dealing with those activities. Strategic individuals respond to proposals. Businesses come out and say, we have a gap in our company. We don't have the necessary information. We don't have the necessary people. We don't have the right processes. We don't have the right technology. They put out a request for proposal and they go to many companies because they don't want to sole source. They want to hear from Accenture, Deloitte, IBM, Optiv, all these other companies, and they'll listen to three, five, seven different organizations and find out which one is best for them. Strategic consultants, strategic business people, even some technical folks have to respond to these RFPs. And sometimes the responses are in the hundreds of pages. So strategic is dealing on the business side. There are people that are in product development and service development, offering development. What is it that a company is going to sell? What are they going to provide? What are they going to deliver? What are the service descriptions? If I go out and say that I'll build you a SOC, a security operations center, great. What is that SOC? What's in it? Who's doing the work? What are they doing? How much are they doing? Are they doing tier one, tier two, tier three? Strategic individuals will go out and develop those solutions. A lot of times you need to be in profession for probably at least three to five years before you can move over to product or service development. However, it's something to start considering once you started the work and you see what you're enjoying. Maybe you want to go over to the business side. Other aspects of strategic have to do with intellectual capital creation, creating presentations, or even individual slides that salespeople and architects can take to a client and say, this is an opportunity that we have. We are number one in this area. We're in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for that. And the individuals on our strategic side have to create that intellectual capital 
for the business to show and for the individuals to sit in front of customers and explain to them what's going on. Or you may be on the customer side. You may be on the receiving end of writing an RFP and then you're going to want to have the, the vendor, the Deloitte, the Accenture, the ENY, the PWC, the IBM, the Optiv, whomever, come in and you wrote the RFP and now you need to hear what the answers are going to be so you can find it if that's somebody you want to do business with. The strategic side is not just on the consulting side. It also is in a corporation. Maybe you're sitting in the vulnerability branch or you want to go work in vulnerability management and you need to outsource or you need to find a tool and you're trying to pick between Tenable's Nessus or Nexpose by Rapid7 and you want to have both of them come in and do demos. You're creating the strategy to determine what's the right solution. I think that strategic analysts and strategic consultants and people on the strategic side, it's more theoretical. It's more cerebral. A lot of it I think is more academic. On the tactical side, which I'll get here shortly, it's a lot of keyboard. And we'll talk about that momentarily. But from the strategic side, I think that there's a lot more reading, writing, studying, and doing the presentations, the PowerPoints, the analysis. If that's what you're looking for, then you may want to try and find a job in the strategic side of the house. What can or should be done versus what is done. I think that's a fair breakdown on the strategy side, what can be done or should be done, and on the tactical side, what is done. The tactical folks do the work and make solutions come to life. Strategic employees create the idea of a solution. Product managers, strategic consultants, business development that I had just talked about, business analysts, these are roles that fit a lot into the strategy side. On the tactical side, it's more technical. It's more more hands-on. Know the technology in detail and have hands on the keyboard. You may be a Palo Alto firewall admin. You're monitoring, managing, and maintaining an environment. You are typing the rules. You're adding the objects. Do that for Fortinet. Maybe on the IDS, IPS side, intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, you're going in and you're updating the policies. You're validating the policies. You're looking to see how are those tools dumping information into the security, intelligence, and event management tool, the SIM, whether it's Curator or ArcSight. Tactical people are building it, they're configuring it, they're upgrading it, they're tuning it, they're making sure that the tool is delivering the way the tool is supposed to. The tactical individuals are more practical, operational, it's day-to-day, and it's much more of a 24-7, 365 job. If you need to do an upgrade and it has to be after hours, that's what you do. It's the right thing to do, it's the right thing for the business, it's the right thing for the client and or for your organization. You don't want to be taking these critical systems down in the middle of the business day when you have more traffic going through. You have the practical, operational, day-to-day with the tactical. I think it's higher pressure. I've never had anybody question that on the strategy side. Yeah, it's high pressure to respond to an RFP, try and win a deal, write up a statement of work. However, that is not as time sensitive necessarily as we have a breach, we've been hacked, and we need to get things patched right away. An incident may come out where you have a new piece of software and it broke something that was critical and you need to stay up all night and get it fixed. You have to revert back to an earlier version. A lot of pressure, a lot of stress, especially when an attack comes. And I say when an attack comes, not if an attack comes, because attacks do come. I see it all the time. And individuals that are the tactical, they have to be ready. If that's not for you, if you're not interested in working in a high-pressure, high-stress environment, and 24-7 is not for you, then you may want to consider something more on the strategic side. Although there are strategic consultants that do have incidents where they're working after hours as well. Keep in consideration for that. 
There's other aspects of cybersecurity to consider also. And this is for people that are maybe not as technical or maybe they're looking to switch into cybersecurity and they don't know how to do that. I want to help people understand there are aspects to cybersecurity that have nothing to do with the down and dirty technical. You don't need to know about the OSI model to be a project manager. You don't need to know about how TCP IP works and the difference between fiber optics and Ethernet or copper actually, which is running on an Ethernet cable, to be a sales representative. To be a technical account manager, you're going to be dealing with relationships, the customer, what they bought, what they expect, how they're going to get it. When you are a relationship manager or a project executive, those are more senior roles. However, it's important to understand that these people, and I work with wonderful account managers and project executives that are not very technical. That's my job. They come to me as an architect and have me bridge between the technical and the business. I have a friend who right now has been an investigator with the police department for 16 years. She wants to get into cybersecurity when she's done after her 20 years, and she has no experience technically. I said, then be a project manager. With your investigation experience, you can easily run projects, and the fact that you don't know what a monitor is from a CPU doesn't make a difference. It's not your job. You need to manage the people and have them come to the table with the right information. Another area, if you're a specialist in general and administrative, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're an accountant, you're in finance, you're in human resources. I know people that are in human resources that want to give back, they want to be a part of cybersecurity. Great, go work for Optiv, go work for Accenture, go work for Illumio, Fortinet. I could go on and on. Go work for companies in cybersecurity and hire cybersecurity professionals as an HR representative or recruit them and let the the technical people or the, the hiring managers hire them. But I think you get the idea that you don't need to be a keyboard beater. You don't need to be technical to be in the cybersecurity field. This is what I was explaining to the guys that I work with that are saying, what do I do, Graybeard? What do I study? I talked about the strategic. I talked about the tactical. There are other areas to get into. And what I told them in our company, we break it down between markets and practices. Well, I'm going to get a little bit specific about my company. Again, it's a global corporation. Think about the technologies that I'm about to list and how your company plays with these technologies. And then I'm going to go into industries and think about whether your business is in a specific industry. Do you like that industry? Do you want to switch over to a different industry? That's what I'm going to go ahead and talk about here really for the second half of this session. Understand that, as I mentioned above, project management is a great idea. It's a wonderful profession for individuals that may or may not be as technical. And project management will fit into everything I'm going to talk about going forward. Same thing with being a seller. It doesn't matter your background if you're sales, whether you want to sell identity or you want to sell SOC or you want to sell threat management, whatever it is. We have eight key practices at my company, and yours may have the same. They may call it something different. And if you're on the operational side, you can, should, will, or may have some or all of these technologies. You're most certainly going to have some of these technologies. If you're working on something now that is on the identity side, but you want to move over to cloud, you could do that in your company. I'm going to get a little bit more specific here. And what we talked about were the eight practices. The first is identity and access management. And with that, it is authentication, access, authorization, accounting, how do people gain access to a program or a product? When they have access, what are they authorized to do? Is there single sign-on so you just log in once and then you have access to everything? Who's managing that? Is there multi-factor authentication? All of these types of technologies and questions are covered in the identity and access management practice. 
Another one, it's either infrastructure and endpoint security, or it might be cloud and infrastructure security, but it's dealing with firewalls. It's dealing with products like SASE, cloud edge security brokers. CASB may fit into this. Hardware, routers, firewalls, intrusion detection and prevention, data loss prevention. These fit into infrastructure and cloud security pieces. Are you interested in that? I think cloud security is the future. I think that if people want to be technical and they're not sure really where to go, I would say start looking in cloud. A lot is out there between AWS, Google Cloud, which is GCP, Microsoft Azure, IBM Cloud is out there as well. Those are really the four big ones. And that is a practice that some organizations have. So Optiv or Accenture, Deloitte, IBM, when they bring in consultants and professionals, they're looking to put people in different areas so they can focus because security is too broad for individuals to cover everything. So the next one is dealing with vulnerability management and penetration testing. This is very technical. I've had a couple of episodes specifically on this, so I'm not going to get into detail. But vulnerability management is the idea of scanning systems, routers, computers, laptops, servers, and understanding where there are vulnerabilities. The next one is threat management. This one can deal with the SOC and the SIM that I've already talked about. Endpoint protection may fit into here or endpoint protection might fit into the infrastructure question. What are they doing for antivirus? What are they doing for data loss prevention? How are they monitoring the environment to prevent and detect the threats? Another one is strategic looking around cloud security. This is how does the hybrid cloud work? What does a company have in the IBM cloud versus Google cloud? How are they managing the traffic that goes between them? What type of posture management exists? Really seeing the idea of the cloud, how it should talk, what people are doing, what the organization is doing, and how it's all integrated and interacting. Another one is data security. This is a bit more advanced. It's dealing with encryption, public key infrastructure, data integrity, data classification, understanding the concepts of data. This is a bit more niche, a bit more unique. However, it is a practice and it's something to know about. If you're on the encryption side or you like to deal with the algorithms and the math behind this, data security may be a place to go. The next one is application security. Secure by design. Secure Software Development Lifecycle, the SSDLC. Too often developers are rewarded for writing lines of code. They need to be rewarded for writing secure lines of code. When you're dealing with the application security, you'll have products that are scanning code that's written, looking for vulnerabilities that are inherent. It is much more cost effective for organizations to find the security weaknesses early in the development phase rather than after it launches. It is way more expensive. I've actually seen a chart that shows it can be 100 times more costly for a business to fix a software vulnerability after release than to catch it early in the development cycle. Application security experts may have a development background or development interest. If you know Python or Perl or C++ and you're interested in develop, I'm sorry, if you're interested in the application, then application security may be a way to go because you work a lot with developers, which was I was about to say a few moments ago. There's a strong tie between software development and application security. That was the seventh practice. The eighth practice is governance. This is mostly strategic with a slight tactical. The idea behind governance is governance, risk, and compliance. An individual recently said to me, is there a future gray beard in this practice for governance, risk, and compliance? He looked at it and said, ah, this seems to be kind of limited. I don't know if there's a future. I kind of chuckled and said, as long as there is government and as long as there are regulations, there will be a GRC practice. As a matter of fact, one of the two, I think, largest cybersecurity organizations, ISACA, 
It's the Information Security Accounting Compliance Association or Audit and Compliance Association. ISACA and ISC Squared are the two really large organizations. So if you're interested in governance, risk, and compliance, I definitely recommend looking at ISACA. And the GRC practice really revolves around a lot of that. There's the CIS 100. There are ways for people to go out and see where are their vulnerabilities. I have friends that do GRC. It is not an area of much interest to me, and I don't do much professionally with it, but know that it is out there. We've talked about practices for the last few minutes. I want to now get into markets or industries. Other people call them verticals. Do you have an interest or desire in specific areas? Do you want to help specific businesses such as healthcare or government? There are individuals out there that are big with the ESG, the environmental, social, or government causes. If that's the case, maybe you want to go work for a company or support companies that are in the ESG area. There's a lot of jobs in cybersecurity that either cover one specific or many different markets and industries. You may just go into healthcare, and I was in healthcare for about nine years. Great business, it's a great place to be. There's always a future there. And you learn a lot about the healthcare business while you're securing it. Do you wanna stay there, or do you wanna jump around to different industries? If you're in a position like me and others that have large companies, we're able to go and spend time with different industries. Right now, my two main projects, one's in FinServe, financial services. The other was in automotive, which is industrial. I'm fortunate that I can bounce around. If you don't want to bounce around, great. Focus in one area. At my company, people can go work in the public sector and they're dealing only with education and government and that is where they want to focus. Understand that some uh, industries, and I use the terms interchangeably between markets and industries that are also verticals, I said, they have regulatory requirements that play a massive role in the day-to-day work for employees. If you're in healthcare in particularly or financial services, know that GRC that I talked about a moment ago is going to have a big play with what you're doing. But understanding the markets, understanding these industries and where they play are going to be important for your interest and for your future. Some people stay. I know folks that have been in healthcare for 35 and 40 years. They never left. Other people like me bounce around, want to experience different things. Defense, that's another big one that people stay in for a long time. Quickly looking at my list of 11. I don't even have defense on here. Glad I mentioned it now. I'll go ahead and list out these 11 real quick. We're already popped over 22 minutes and I don't want to take people's time indefinitely. So number one, healthcare. Not only are we talking about hospitals, but you're also looking at insurance companies like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, which is now Anthem, UHC, I believe United Healthcare is another one. You understand when you talk about healthcare, you're not talking only about those that are caregivers, but also the financial side behind that. Financial services, banks and credit unions, insurance companies, this is another one that is heavy with regulation. There's Sarbanes-Oxley, which is on the financial side, which really affects almost everybody. But you have PCI for the, the payment card industry. You have personally identifiable information in healthcare. You have protected health information, PHI. For those two, GRC is big and really understanding the regulations. Another one that's going to be a lot of regulation is working in governments. Local, city, state, and federal. My wife was actually the deputy CISO at a very large county where we live. She worked for a county government and has a lot of interesting insight, in particular around elections, as a matter of fact. So if that's something that you're interested in, securing elections, you may want to go look at your local county and work in cybersecurity there. Another industry is retail. Look at Walmart, Bed Bath & Beyond, Home Depot, PetSmart, Target, Best Buy. I could go on and on. Look at these companies. If you live in the Minneapolis area or if you want to work for Target or Best Buy remotely, reach out to them. In the area that you live in, are there companies? I'm not talking about going and working at a Target. I'm talking about working for Target's corporation. 
When I say Home Depot, I don't mean go work at a Home Depot. I mean go work for Home Depot, which is based out of Atlanta. Coca-Cola is based out of Atlanta. Pepsi Company, they're another one that you can look at. They're legion. They're everywhere. Working for these companies, if you like retail, that's the way to go. And you will support the stores. So Home Depot, they have their point of sales that have to be secured. I, you look around at all the places that have been hacked, talk to Target. So you'll have individuals at corporate that come out with the policies, and then they're implemented at the store level. Just a few others, you have automotive, Honda, Toyota, BMW, Dodge, Chrysler, Mercedes. I, again, I can go on and on. If you want to work for an automotive company, maybe you're in cybersecurity, but you love cars. Heck, you might be able to help you get a discount if you work there. Realizing that there are industries that you could be really passionate about and you go work for them. Maybe an airline, maybe you love to travel. Maybe you just want to make sure that people can't hack an airplane by getting on the Wi-Fi. You go work for United, which is based out of Chicago, or American, which is out of Dallas. Internationally, you have El Al in Israel and Lufthansa in Germany. These are global companies that have presence all over the place. Oil and gas, Exxon, Shell, British Petroleum. That's an area really heavy down in the Gulf Coast area, Houston. Communications, Comcast and CenturyLink. Comcast is in Philadelphia and CenturyLink is in Denver. These companies are massive and they're everywhere. Find an industry you enjoy. Maybe you want to work for a technology company. I used to work for Hewlett Packard. You can work for Microsoft or Google or Apple or Facebook. I have Eula Packard here, IBM, large technology firms. Maybe you're supporting their internal IT. Maybe you're supporting their clients. Maybe you're going out and you're giving clients advice or you're doing some form of staff augmentation as a consultant. The last one, real quick, and it's really not the last one. Well, two more. Entertainment, Disney, who owns ABC, Pixar, and ESPN, Netflix, MGM, Caesars out of Las Vegas. Another one is education. Maybe you want to support the public school system. You want to work in your local community and make sure that students have the right technology and that it's secure. There are scores of school districts that have been hacked within the last few years. Maybe you want to be a part of securing universities or trade schools or conservatories. Understanding that certain organizations may group these a little bit different. I listed out 12 or 13, but maybe it's public sector, which handles education and government. It doesn't matter what they call it. Just understand that it's out there. Again, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, think about where you want to work and who you want to work for. There is a lot out there. And as G.I. Joe likes to say, knowing is half the battle. Learn about your organization. See what other people are doing and ask them about their jobs. Do they like it? Can you ride along, quote unquote, with them? If one of the people that you know or you want to look at a sock, see if you can be an intern. See if you can just work second or third shift one night or two nights or six nights in a sock and see if that's something that you want to do. If you want to teach, follow a teacher. If you want to be a policeman, do a ride along. It's the same concept. It's riding along in cybersecurity. Did anything that I just talked about pique your curiosity? If so, reach out in your company and say, hey, do we have markets? Do we have practices? What are they? What do I have in my organization? Maybe it's small and there's only 50 people and you're doing help desks. So they still are going to have some form of identity. They're still going to have some form of infrastructure security. Look out there. See what's out there. And if you want to talk to me about your business in particular, I'm not kidding. Send me an email. We'll set up a little conversation, maybe 15 or 30 minutes. I'll help you learn individually how to go down. On a macro level, I really hope that this helped that it gave you some vision, it gave you some idea, it gave you some opportunity in your company. Know that you're not alone. I've said it before and that you don't need to figure this stuff out by yourself. Talk to more senior people at your company. Talk to your manager. Talk to HR. Talk to me. Shoot me a note, cybergraybeard at gmail.com. I'm here to help. There are others like me in your company. There is so much out there. It is so exciting. It is such an exciting time in cybersecurity. There are so many opportunities. Don't be left behind because you're scared to ask questions. 
Step up, learn, grow, advance. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Take care.